Christmas today. Come on, how many are you excited about Christmas? How many like really go over the top for Christmas? Like you're those type of people. Like you just deck out the deck out the house and the whole deal. Like September's coming around and you're counting out days till Christmas. How many are you like, man? I'm not really all that into Christmas. Any of there? Like I see a few over here. Well, I'm one of I'm one of those second group there. Not all that into it, but I do love Christmas time. I'm excited about this Christmas because I'm especially excited about this series that we're beginning today. I believe God's going to do some great things in your heart and in your life as we do this brand new series called Come to Worship. So everybody say, Come to Worship. Let me just tell you the heart of this series. I believe that God wants to do some great things in our life as we just take our minds and our hearts and focus them on him. How many know that's what Christmas is really all about, isn't it? It's about a time to worship, a time to focus our hearts and focus our attention and focus our minds upon him. And I'm telling you, over this next month, what I really want us to do is I believe as we really focus our thoughts and our minds and focus this next month upon the Savior and upon celebrating the Savior, I believe that we're going to find God and know him in a more intimate way than we have ever experienced him before. In fact, today, let's just open our Bibles and take a look at this passage that actually are, that actually the title of this message series comes directly from this passage. It's found in Matthew chapter number two, and let's all look at it together. It's a very familiar passage of scripture, especially this time of year. It's on the screen there for you if you want to read along. It says, Jesus was born in the town of Bethlehem in Judea during the time when Herod was king. And when Jesus was born, some wise men from the east came to Jerusalem and they asked, where is the baby who was born to be the king of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and we, everybody say it aloud, we have come to worship him. Man, I love that. Here's these wise men who, who come to Jesus and they don't come to Jesus in order to receive something from him, in order to get something from him for themselves, but instead they came to worship him. They came to bow down. They came bringing their gifts. They came to worship. You know, I think sometimes as Christians, and especially in this Americanized culture that we live in today, especially even at this time of year, I think we get it a little bit backwards sometimes. I think sometimes that we think we're supposed to come to Jesus so that Jesus can do something for us. In fact, I think sometimes we're even a little bit like, you know, God is this kind of cosmic Santa Claus up in the sky that, you know, if you do it all just right and you check the list and you check it twice and you're not naughty, but you're nice and you go to church like you're supposed to and you give in the offering like you're supposed to and you do all the good things and you check off all the lists, then somehow, some way you can crawl up on Santa's lap and you can ask for whatever you want and God's just going to bless you with whatever you want. See, sometimes I think we get this idea that God kind of exists exists for us. But let me just tell you something here today. God doesn't exist for us. We exist for him. We were created to worship, to bring honor, to bring glory to him. In fact, this is what this is what the scripture tells us in in the book of Isaiah 61 and verse number 3. Look what it says. It says, "For God has planted them like strong and graceful oaks for what? For his own glory." You know what the scripture is saying? Basically, hey, y'all are a bunch of Christmas trees. And I planted you here on this earth as strong and powerful oaks to live a life that brings glory unto me. That I have created you to be worshipers. 
In fact, Jesus says out of all the things that God is looking for, he's looking for this one thing. He is looking for true worshipers, people who will worship him in spirit and in truth. And that's what we're going to try to learn how to do in this series over this next several weeks. We're going to talk about what is worship all about? What does it mean? And we're going to really focus our hearts and focus our minds upon the Savior, upon Jesus. And today what we're going to do is just kind of set up the series by just giving you three foundational truths about worship. In fact, today we're going to look at these three real quick. And then each week of the series, we're going to dive more in depth to each of these three. So if you're taking notes, write these things down today. Three things about worship. The first one is this, is that worship is doing something. So everybody say, do something. something. Worship is when we do something. Now I know some of you are going, man, that doesn't sound very deep there, pastor. There's got to be more to it than that. Well, let's, let's dive into it and let's talk about it a little bit. What does it mean to worship? When we, when we worship, what is it that we do? You know, the truth of the matter is worship is a word that sometimes can be kind of misunderstood. Sometimes I think we get our own preconceived ideas of what worship really is all about, depending on your background, depending on kind of how you were raised or if you were raised in church or whatever. You have some different thoughts that come to mind when you even hear the word worship. In fact, when I say the word, when I say a word worship, what's the first thing that comes to mind? Just yell it out. Singing, right? Songs, music, things like that. And so many times that's what we get is like worship is when we sing and it's when we, when we have our songs in, in the times that we, that we sing. And for some of us, it's like different types of song. Like worship is, you know, if you grew up in one of those uh, little more traditional churches, it's, you know, it's singing hymns or maybe it's when you sing out of a book. Or for some of us, when we hear about worship, we think about, oh, well, that's what they do. And, you know, they're on the stage and it's up there on the screen. And we think of that. In fact, when I was growing up, up, like worship it was even like it was the not just the kind of music it was the speed of the music right so the praise songs were the fast songs at the beginning right come on you know what I'm talking about and the worship songs are the slow songs that you do a little later in the worship set or, or some of you maybe even when you think about worship it's not just singing or it's not just music it might even be you know it might even be the time in the service like the worship part is the first part of the service you know the part where you miss about half of it because you got here late you know I'm just saying I'm just messing with you but you know who you are I'm just saying and and, and it's the time in the service like it's the beginning of the service because we're going to have the worship then we're going to have the preaching you know what I'm saying and so you got that part and all of these ideas that we have in our mind about worship and about what worship really really is and so we think it's music or we think it's the time in the service we think all these different things and the truth is it's all of those things and yet it's so much more than all of those things in fact, worship is not just singing songs. Worship is not just a time in the service or a, or a certain type of a service. But here's the deal. If you're taking notes, you might want to write down this definition of worship. Worship is basically this. Anything. Everybody say anything. Anything that we do to express our love to God is worship. Anything that you do to express your love to God can be worship. You know, you can worship by picking up your kids and playing with them. You can worship by doing your job. Some of you are working at McDonald's, flipping burgers. You can flip burgers in the name of the Lord. You can worship in anything that you do as long as you are doing it with a heart to please God. As long as you are doing it to express your love to God. Worship is when you do something. Now, here's the deal that you have to understand is that doing something is not necessarily worship. 
But worship is when I intentionally do something in order to express my love and express my, express my appreciation to God and to who he is. In fact, this is what we see in this passage that we're looking at, that, that the wise men, they did something. What did they do? Well, it says it right there in verse number two. It says they what? They came. What did they do? They came. They made a move towards Jesus. You know what? Sometimes worship can simply just be moving closer to God. Some of you, in fact, that's what God would maybe even challenge you to do here this morning, to just, to just begin to intentionally make a move closer to him. You know what the scripture tells us in James? It says, if we will draw close to God, you know what he said he would do? He would draw close to us. But you know who has to make the first move? It's us. And some of you maybe you would even have to decide that maybe during this season, over this next this next few weeks, and as we head into the holiday season, that I'm gonna I'm gonna do something intentionally, maybe even something out of my ordinary schedule or ordinary routine to move towards God, to draw closer in my relationship with Him. Maybe some of you say, man, intentionally, I'm going to make it a point that every single week of this series, man, I'm going to be here every single Sunday. Or maybe some of you would say, you know what, during this busy time of the year when there's all this other stuff going on, I'm going to set aside some time every day to spend with God. Maybe some of you would just get into your YouVersion Bible app and maybe you would even search in there Christmas devotionals and you would say, hey, every day I'm going to do a Christmas devotional between now and Christmas. Or maybe we're going to have some family time where we're going to set aside some time to worship, but I'm going to intentionally do something to move towards God. And the more you draw close to God, the more you move towards him, the more God is going to begin to move in your life. Worship is doing something. So everybody say, do something. Number two, worship is when we give something. Worship is not only doing something, but worship happens when we give something. In fact, this is what we see happen with the wise men in Matthew chapter 2 and verse 11. Look what it says. On coming to the house, they saw the child with their mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. And then they opened their treasures and presented with him, him with what? Everybody say it out loud. Presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Check this out. When we worship, here's what we do. We bring something to God. Here's what the wise men did. They brought their gifts. And I want you to notice something, man. These were not, these were not just little trinkets. They weren't just little inexpensive gifts. These were things that were incredibly valuable. Gold, right? How many would say gold? That's pretty, inval- that's pretty valuable stuff. Frankincense and myrrh. Somebody go, I don't have a clue. What, Frankenstein? What are you talking about? Frankincense and myrrh. What is that? Well, frankincense and myrrh were actually, uh, were actually oils. They were actually, they were actually kind of a, uh, an oil that they brought. And we know anybody that's ever done like the essential oil thing, you know that stuff ain't cheap. You know what I'm saying? And they brought, they brought to God something that, was, something that was valuable to them. And here's the deal, guys. True worship requires us to bring something valuable to God. It, it requires us to give something. And guess what, guys? True worship, true worship isn't cheap. In fact, it's very costly. And you know, you know what David said about it? He said, I refuse to bring to God a sacrifice that costs me nothing. And so many times I think we want to worship God and we want to experience the presence of God, but we don't really want to pay any price. Like we want, we don't want to do anything that would, that would cost us. But here's the deal is that when we worship God, man, I'm telling you, it's, it's a sacrifice. Everybody say sacrifice. 
In fact, the scripture actually calls it this, a sacrifice of praise. Why would we bring a sacrifice of praise? Why would it, the, spirit, the scripture call it a sacrifice? Because it's something that's going to cost us. In fact, it, it reminds me of the Old Testament. You remember when they, would, when they would come to worship God, what would they do? They would, bring, they would bring sacrifices. They would bring a goat or they would bring a lamb. And you know, they didn't just bring just any old goat or any old lamb. They didn't just go out into the pasture, find the goat that's, you know, that's about to die and bring that one to the Lord. No, no, no. You know what they did? They went and they found the firstborn, the best of all of their flocks. And they brought that as a, as a sacrifice unto the Lord. They brought the best that they had. You know, some of you are going, well, that doesn't relate to me. Pastor, I ain't got no goats and we don't bring goats to church and we don't sacrifice them. And I don't even know where you're going with this. Well, guess what, guys? It does pertain to you. You know why? Because you are the sacrifice. We, don't, we no longer bring a goat or a lamb. You know what we bring to God? We bring ourselves a sacrifice of praise. In fact, this is what Paul was talking about in Romans chapter two and verse one. Look what he says. He says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy to offer your what? Everybody say it out loud. To offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. And then he goes on to explain why we do this. He says, for this is your true and proper way to worship. Here's what Paul is saying. Hey, when we think about what God has done for us, when we think about that he loved us so much that he didn't just leave us down here in our sin, but he sent his son Jesus to come and to sacrifice himself for us. When we think about what he did upon that cross and we think about how we our sins are forgiven because of him, the only really reasonable way to to respond is to respond by giving our lives back to him as living sacrifices. And Paul says, this is what true worship is all about. True worship is not just singing some songs. It's not just a time in the service, although that's a part of it. True worship is a living sacrifice. It's when we come to God and we offer him all that we are and all that we have. When we lay our lives down upon the altar, that's what true worship is all about. There's only one problem with living sacrifices. In fact, I love the way Rick Warren said, he said the problem with living sacrifices is they keep wanting to crawl up off the altar. And it's so true in our lives that that when we bring our lives to God, you know what the tendency is? Is to, well, I'll, I'll give it to him for a little while. I'll surrender myself to him for a little while. But then we surrender some things and we lay some things down at his feet and we offer him our bodies or we offer him our relationships or we offer him our finances or we offer him areas of our life. But it's so easy to pick those areas back up again because it's, it's a living sacrifice. It's alive. And this is why worship is so important. It's a daily reminder that our hearts and our lives that everything that we have does not belong to us anymore, that it belongs to God, that when Jesus came, he paid for us with, with a price that he, that he paid upon that cross. And now we offer back to him the best that we have. He gave us the best that he had. So now we offer him the best that we have, our lives as living sacrifices unto him. And that's what worship is really all about. Worship is doing something. It's when, when I do whatever I do, I do it as unto the Lord, as a way of expressing my love to God. Worship is, is giving something, and that something is myself. All that I have, I give it to God. Number three, write this one down. Worship is not only doing something and giving something, but number three, worship is when we please someone. 
Worship is pleasing someone. You know, here's the deal at the very heart of worship. The heart, the motive behind it all is to please God. In fact, here's the thing, guys, that we have to understand. We have to understand that you can do all the right things and you can give all the right gifts and still not please God. If your heart is wrong, if your motive behind it is wrong. In fact, this is what we see in our passage as, as we look at as we look at the wise men and we look at King Herod, you remember the story, King Herod calls the wise men to him and says, go and follow, follow the star and bring your gifts and all of those things. And he says, I want to I know where the Savior is so that I can worship him. And we see on the surface, it seems like King Herod had the right heart and the right motive, that he was doing the right thing and he was giving the right thing. But then as we study a little bit further, we see that King Herod had very different motives than the wise men did. We see that the wise men came to worship, but the reason that King Herod was actually following the star and wanted to know where Jesus was was because he had some fear in his heart. He was the king, and he was afraid that now this new king's going to come, and he's going he's to kick me off the throne, and I'm no longer going to be able to be the king. And so even though, even though Herod was seeking, seeking Jesus, he was seeking him for the wrong reasons. He was protecting himself. He was protecting his, his selfish nature. And so many times, man, so, so many of us are like King Herod. We, we, we want to worship God, but we don't want to really give him full reign in our lives. We like sitting on the throne of our life. We like being in control and so sometimes man we want to give it to God but we don't want to give all of it to God come on right and sometimes we'll even come to church and 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 we do because we're supposed to or or maybe we do it because someone invited us and we you know we want them to like us and and maybe we even come in and maybe even in worship sometimes we worship with the wrong with the wrong heart and the wrong motive like we do it because I'm supposed to do it or maybe we even do it because you know I want others to see me or we we do it because you know I want God to touch me and we have all of these different motives behind why we do what we do but the truth of the matter is is that we can do all the right things and even give all the right things and not really truly be worshiping God if we're not truly doing it with the right hearts and the right motive. See, worship is not just doing something and just giving something. Worship, the reason we do something, the reason that we give something is because we want to please someone. We want, we want to live a life that is pleasing to God. And ultimately, this is what God wants most from us. In fact, this is what the psalmist said about it in Psalms uh, Psalms, where is it at? 51, verse 16. Look what he says. He says, you are not pleased by sacrifices or I would give them. You don't want burnt offerings. The sacrifice that God wants is a broken spirit. What God wants is, is our hearts, our, our hearts that come to him in, in repentance and in surrender, fully giving ourselves to him. You see, that's what, that's what sacrifice is really all about. It's not about the amount of, that you give or it's not about how high you jump or how, how loud you can clap or yell or sing during the worship time, although that's, that's fantastic and that's great. But what really matters is what's happening in my heart. Does God truly and really have me and have all of me? Because that's what God wants most. In fact, that's what Hosea was talking about in Hosea 6 and verse 6 in the Living Bible. It says, God says, I don't want your sacrifices. What I want is your love. I don't want your offerings. What I want is I want you to to know me. I want to know you. And that's what this, the heart of this series is really all about. That's what we're going to be talking about over this next several, several weeks is how can we truly get to that place where we have a heart 
a heart of worship, a heart that says, God, I want to please you with my life. Yes, I want to do some stuff, but I want to give some stuff. The reason that I'm doing those and the reason that I'm giving that is because ultimately I want to live a life that is pleasing to you. I want to offer my life fully to you. And here's the kicker. You ready for, you ready for the kicker? The, the great thing about it is the more you give yourself to God, the more he begins to give himself to you. The more you begin to do some stuff and give some stuff and please someone, guess what? The more he begins to do stuff and give stuff and bring freedom in your life. And that's what God wants more than anything else. In fact, just this past week, my wife and I and my, my kids, we got a chance to take a little, little bit of extra time off. A little more than what we would, we would normally do. This past year has been kind of a hectic year uh, for us with starting a third service and then having a baby. I mean, we had quite a bit going on this year. And so we had an opportunity to just take a little bit of extra time away as a family. I'm telling you what, it was a blessing. It was, it was amazing. And yet, even as we're enjoying that time together with our family, I, I felt like I just had this burden that was just kind of weighing down on me, this pressure that, that pastors feel at this time of year. In fact, I feel it every year at this time of year. And it's not because of Christmas, although there are pressures that go along with that. But really, it's more about what comes after Christmas. And after Christmas is the new year. And so as a pastor, I always feel just this, this pressure to lead our church and to have direction for where we're supposed to go for the year. In fact, every year, you know, we have a word that we just pray and we ask God to give us a word for the year. One word that's just kind of gives us direction for the year. Well, every year it's about this time when we begin to pray and begin to seek God for that. And so the last several weeks I've been praying and seeking God. And while we're on our little trip, I'm enjoying time with family. But I, I knew going on the trip, I thought, man... I've got to come back knowing that I heard from God, that I had a word for this year, because if not, it's going to catch up with me, and the new year is going to start, and we're not going to know where we're going, what we're doing. And I'm feeling all this, all this pressure. And as the trip just got a little bit you know, more towards the end of the trip, the second to the last day, I'm going, man, I haven't heard from God yet. And the last day, I'm going, man, I need, I need something from the Lord. And so I, I take a little walk, and I'm, and I'm praying. I'm asking God, God, show me something. God, speak something to me. And, I, man, I'm just not hearing anything. Anybody ever been there before, you know? And, I mean, it's just like I have nothing. And so the walk kind of turns into a run. It's kind of like, man, I'm just frustrated, and I just got to get some of, this, some of this energy out. And so I run, and... After I got done with the run, I sat down and, you know, I know you feel sorry for me. I'm sitting there by the beach looking out at the ocean. I know you're feeling bad for me, right? And all that pressure pastor's got while he's sitting by the beach. And yet there I am sitting at the beach and I'm, and I'm feeling the weight of the world on me. And suddenly I just felt impressed. I don't know if it was God speaking to me, but I, I felt like the Lord just said, you know what? 2016 is not over yet. And you're thinking about what's the word for 2017, and maybe I haven't finished with what I want to do in 2016. And then I was reminded, what's the word for 2016? If you were here at the beginning of the year, remember the word was freedom. That God wanted to bring freedom in people's lives. That God wanted to bring freedom in, in, in freedom from fear and freedom from anxiety and freedom from addictions and freedom from habits and freedom in relationships and freedom in, in our finances and freedom in our worship and freedom in all these different areas 
of our lives. And it just, I just felt like the Lord impressed upon me. I'm not done bringing freedom to people's lives. And we'll get to 2017 whenever I'm ready for that. But I want to do something still in 2016. And there are four more, four more weekends in this year that maybe there are some people that haven't yet experienced the freedom that I want to give them, some freedom in their lives. And then, then God just began to put it in my heart that maybe the freedom's going to come as we take the focus off of all the other stuff and we just decide to put our focus on Jesus. That maybe as we begin to experience the presence of God through worship, that's when I'm going to begin to bring the freedom. And then the Lord just kind of brought me back to the passage of Scripture in Acts. You might remember the passage of Scripture where Paul and Silas have been thrown into prison. I mean, they're in a deep, dark dungeon. You can imagine as they're sitting there and it's dark and, and you can imagine the depression that could have that could have come upon them. But instead of being depressed by what was going on around them, what does the Bible say that they did? They began to sing and they began to bring praise. They began to pray and they began to turn their focus towards God instead of focusing on the dungeon and the prison and the prisoners and all the stuff around them that was there and they didn't even do anything to really deserve being there. But instead of focusing on that, what did they do? They focused their minds and their hearts. They began to sing and they began to worship. And the Bible says that God showed up in a supernatural play, in a supernatural way and there was a great earthquake that shook the whole jail. You talk about jailhouse rock. Come on, I'm feeling an Elvis coming on. And God did something incredible in that moment as they focused upon, upon Jesus, the Savior. And some of you are here today and you've got all kinds of stuff, all kinds of baggage and all kinds of stuff that's weighing down upon you. You find yourself feeling like you're in a, in a prison cell and you're down and you're discouraged and you just don't know what to do. And maybe, maybe, maybe the answer, maybe the solution today is to turn your eyes away from all the stuff and to turn your eyes upon Jesus Christ, to do something specific, to worship him, to give something, especially to give yourself, to live your life in a way that truly pleases him. And I'm telling you, when you do something to worship and when you give something in worship and when you live your life to please someone who loves you, guess what? God begins to do something in your life and he begins to give some stuff in your life and he begins to free you from those areas of your life that have